Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 200. Yay! No. Da Vinci, Picasso, Salvador Dali, Michelangelo, Albert Hernandez. I do. Welcome back, Julius. It, 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 it's nice to see me getting the accolades I deserve. So right Hi, deserve. Albert. I'm sure you're an amazing painter. Stick figureist. <laughs> I'm sure that's an official style. The classic stick figure. <laughs> stick figure. Ah, notice the straight lines. <laughs> notice the almost perfectly round head. Incomplete, though. Uh, ah, hello, everyone. <laughs> In case our discussions of art does not make it clear to you, today we are going to be talking about the board game Canvas. Canvas is a um, river card builder game with uh, see-through cards where over the course of the game, you are going to be collecting see-through cards to build three sets of art cards, each of which when you build an art card can be awarded various points. The goal of the game is to have the most amount of points over the, be- over the end of the game to win best in show and to officially join the ranks of Picasso and Da Vinci. And Albert. And Albert, that's right. <laughs> yeah, this this sounds like a really neat game. I'd not heard about it until you mentioned it to me a few weeks ago. It, and it is, looks pretty. in my opinion, a very neat, very very pretty game. But in our normal fashion, let's start at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Albert, I believe that you've had a chance to review the rules from the online version. Have you not? Yes, briefly. I looked through them. So the rules do the, I feel like it's the normal version of explaining things. It explains to you what the components are, goes through and highlights the different components. Highlights setup, explains how to to go through your turn, which is a very simple turn. You either are going to be taking an art card or putting together art cards to complete a painting. And then it goes through and explains the end of the game. It is only without the solo rules it's only a six Mm -hmm. um page rules and i think it does a very good job of clearly and vibrantly explaining how it is that you play so yeah yeah it's really nice rules are very good talking about the theme this is a theme where the whole idea is that you are painting cards um there's going to be a, a river a tableau of art cards, which are going to be a transparent card with a single element of art. So it could be um, a ham sandwich or a flying pig or a balcony or a tower, all sorts of sometimes psychedelic type things. And it's going to be on a transparent card. So what you're going to do is you're going to be collecting one of those cards and then you will stack three of those cards, three and exactly three of those cards, on a solid background art card. And that is just going to be the top half of it, which is nothing but pretty. The only reason to have all those elements is just because it looks pretty. The mechanic version of the game is on the bottom of each of the transparent cards. The bottom of each of the transparent cards are going to have um, some mixture of a red, yellow, green, blue, and purple swatch on them. And that swatch can have different icons on it. Some cards have two, some cards, some few cards have three of those different swatches. 
And when you lay your art all together, you'll be able to rearrange the cards so that you can see through and just see some of the swatches. Having those, I think those, those cards, those are the primary way that you're going to be pushing this theme. Um, And normally I've discussed a bunch of the components at this point in time. Let's take a step back and discuss how it integrates into theme. In order to really integrate into theme, you're not really painting a, a piece of art here, but you are putting together elements into an artistic design. I know when I've played this game with my kids, sometimes instead of wanting to play to win, they're just wanting to play to combine together elements for what they believe is going to be the most beautiful painting that they can possibly put together from the elements. Regardless of the points. Regardless of the points, exactly. (laughs) And I think that I, I bring that up more just to highlight that I think that shows that the the theme really comes through and the idea that you are creating art. You're not actually hand painting it, but an artwork is created from these disparate elements and it looks really good because of that. So I think that all of that together sort of brings home the theme of your creating artwork. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bleeding yep. that over. Including com- the, the backing card, right? Which, which mm-hmm. is really pretty and, and, and makes the, it frames the art, but it has no other purpose. <laughs> exactly. And bleeding over into components somewhat, speaking of those art cards, there's an excessive number of those art cards. The game theoretically only needed to provide three per player. You, you don't need to provide any more than that. That's all you need. But the game does provide extras just because it can. And you have your choice. You know, you can pick from a stack of background cards if you want when you're making your painting. Um, everyone can be assigned random ones. You can pick whatever your favorite of them all are just because you want to do more of that. So me, okay. Discussing more of the components. I've discussed already the transparent cards. The transparent cards do come with a plastic film. Um, I've seen some discussion about whether or not to remove that plastic film. I removed it immediately because I did think it made the cards clearer and more vibrant. Um, but sure. Let me discuss another component before I move on to graphical design. Um, there are the inspiration tokens that are over the course of the game. Inspiration tokens, everyone starts the game with four of these inspiration tokens, which are little um, paint palettes. And you can spend these inspiration tokens to take cards that are newer, the the cards that have come out more recently, because you may want those instead of the cheaper, older cards. Um, Those look very nice. um, And once again, are just generally thematic. The regular version comes with those in cardboard. um, And I did buy the upgraded version, which has those in um, wood tokens. I think both of those are very nice. Mm. Similarly, there are um, ribbons. That ribbons are used to track how many points a particular piece of art is awarded. And advantageous is that there's actually five different types of ribbons. And although each type of ribbon is distinguished by color, each is a unique design which means that for players who are colorblind, it should be very easy to tell which one is which just by their design. So 
color makes it very good, but design also works really well. So I think that they put a lot of thought into making sure that the components are both very pretty, but also very functional and very nice to, nice to use. Yeah, I like that about it. I, I saw that. Uh, one last comment about graphic design, though. Um, I talked about the swatches on the bottom. The swatches on the bottom are used to give points of the course of the game. At the beginning of the game, you'll randomize what different um, goals you have out of the game, and those goals will be how you'll get points. And it'll be different each game. So, for example, a goal will be to have two triangles next to each other. Now, I say triangles technically, that triangle is called shape there are four different element icons that are going to appear on the swatches at the bottom of the card hue a color wheel shape a texture uh, a, a triangle texture which is just a hashed square and tone which is this sun looking icon in addition there'll be some bonus icons which um if you have a gray ribbon icon on the bottom of the card, then you get a gray ribbon, which is just worth straight two points for every matching element icon on the card. Um, all of those are very clear. It's very easy to tell which is which. One thing that at least kind of bothered me is I wish there was a reference card or maybe even on the back of the rule book, a quick summary of what those, what the name of those icons are. This game is very thematic, and it would be nice to stop to, to actually call those things by the proper name. Because when we mm. play, we often just call them um, color, color circle, triangle, square, and sun, instead of the actual yeah. name, hue, shape, texture, and tone. For me, that's because those are not terminologies that i use in my everyday common language right yeah it's nice not intuitive at all mm -hmm. yeah yeah i kept thinking about that i kept thinking yeah it's just a triangle i don't I, I, or like the hue it'd be nice if somehow it had something really to do with color other than just the circle <laughs> i mean you have to abstract it enough so that's easily recognizable on the card but yeah, even yeah. if they would have put it on the back of the rules I, I know the back of the rules are taken up with other things but uh, or maybe even just a card now, does, that could be put somewhere i don't know mm -hmm. does the art line up at all with the uh the icons on the bottom like if the hue is on a yellow does the picture tend to be more yellow on that card or not not at all I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't what I thought you were going to say. Um, <laughs> there are some times where I've seen things like a card will have, for example, only shape icons, in which case usually the colors are more stark, but the shapes are more there. Like it'll be com primarily composed of just shapes. Like for example, um, because I'm looking at it, the solar system one. It's all in mm -hmm. yellow, but it's all just shapes. So it has two shapes. Well, I was asking about the color as an example, but it, the same is for any of the icons, for the shape yeah. or the texture. I do think that the other ones do apply, and that ones, for example, what art pieces that have less color vibrancy will not have a hue. Um, ones that are amorphous shapes will not have a shape icon. Yes, that is true. I don't think there's any connection between which 
of the color swatches it's on. I can't think of any examples and I'm not holding okay. all the cards in hand, likely because I would drop them if I were trying to record this podcast. <laughs> That's okay. Cause, cause you, you answered my question. They do try and correlate the icons on bottom with the picture on top. I was just not thinking of it the right way, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it would be hard, I think, to also match a color with in there too, because now like you have yellow texture or something, and that would just make it more complicated. But they, they did try, which is nice. They did try and make to the a theme degree. consistent. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Um, so I, I believe that covers all I have to say about components. I don't know if you had any other comments about components, Albert. No, I do not. Well, the the sleeves, they provide sleeves for you to put your finished artwork in. They do, yes. Right. Um are they sturdy sleeves or are they are they just basically regular sleeves, you think? They're regular sleeves. They're not penny sleeves. They're not super deluxe sleeves. They're okay. general standard sleeves. Um in standard size, so they're easy to replace. They are not a standard size. Okay. Um, okay. Or excuse me, they are not as standard as like your standard playing card size. They are a size that you can go into your local hobby shop and find, but you probably will not have ones lying around. Gotcha. Okay. So so it's not a component that you have to worry about because these sort of things tend to break eventually. While they and do, you are able to, break, to replace them. Unlike unlike a game like Edge of Darkness, for example, that one the cards have to be sleeved and have to be shuffled. This one, you don't actually need to put them in their sleeves if you don't want to. When you make your art cards, you can just set them on top of one of the background cards and leave them there. As long as nobody's going to pick up those cards accidentally or on purpose and mix up what <laughs> they've done, there's no real need to sleeve That's it. True. Sleeves just lock it in so that it can't be modified later. But it's not oh, really okay. a necessity. So you bring out the sleeves when you got those friends coming over, the ones that tend to always seem to I mean <laughs> No, I do bring and... out the sleeves because there is a there is a visceral niceness. That that finality of locking everything in and this is my art card. Yes. Um it is the right kind of it's it feels good to do that. But it's not necessary. Yes, that, uh, there are yeah. extra sleeves in the box, so that if some of them break, you have enough to replace. None of them have been oh, okay. for me. But yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, cool. So let's move on to the gameplay. As mentioned, this is a relatively simple game. This is a river style game. River by river, I mean that you'll have cards coming out from the central deck, which the deck is actually stored in deck boxes and see through, and then they will flow out from the game. They'll flow in a tableau. If you pick the cheapest one, the one farthest away from the deck, it's free. If you want ones that are closer to the deck, you have to spend inspiration tokens to get all the way up to those cards. So one inspiration token for everyone there. When you're spending inspiration tokens, you'll put an inspiration token on a card you're skipping. Any other player who would later choose to pick up that card, including yourself, get the inspiration tokens back to be able to use later on. So you kind of want to keep your inspiration mm -hmm. tokens to be able to stay flexible later, but if you're trying to keep your inspiration tokens too, too rigidly, rigidly um, then you won't necessarily be able to pick the cards you want right now. Cards will continue to flow out of the right, central deck. Yeah, when the card deck. comes out, you want to just get it. Cards will continue to flow out of that central tableau. And 
you'll get to need to pick them up. And your turn will generally just be pick up one of those art cards. You have a hand limit of five art cards, and you start with three in the game. You know, the, the whole the whole river mechanic, I had never heard that term before, but I there's another game that I know that's the same exact mechanic. Um, if Wishes Were Fishes, or maybe it's If Fishes Were Wishes. Yes. I'm not Have you played that? That, that works... One. It works exactly the same. The fish come out on the table and each person takes a turn and you know, you could buy you could take a catch a fish. You could either get the one that's left most for free or put a worm on each fish card before the one you want to take. Mm-hmm. And again, same way when another person goes, they get the mm-hmm. they get all the worms on it. This one is neat because it brings real rubber worms. Like the kind that you might use for fishing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's just awful fun to play with. It's- it's not an uncommon mechanic. Caravan is another one that has it. Okay. Uh, Edge of Darkness. The, it, it's not an uncommon Morels. So you do see it a bunch. Mm, okay. I haven't played any of those. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully you will at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a hand limit of five art cards. At any point in time, and you must if you have five art cards, instead of taking a card, you can take your turn to pick three art cards, and it must be specifically three art cards, and put them together in whatever order you want and sleeve them. As soon as you pick them, you'll then analyze the four different goals you have in the game, as well as see if you get any bonus ribbons, to see if you get any ribbons associated with that art. So the different goals, as mentioned, are randomly set up in the start of the game, and placed in specific spots on the mat so that they're associated with the different types of ribbons. So you can have any random configuration of them, or you can pick one out specific. There's actually a list at the end of the rulebook of specific setups you can choose if you so want it. Um, but when you're, when you're putting together your final art piece, you'll go through one by one and see if you fulfill any of the goals, like having only one hue or having all of the color swatches filled, things like that. Um, Once you've identified how many ribbons you get, you'll place them over by that art card. Uh, Theoretically, you'll show off your art card to everyone. Everyone will give an (laughs) ooh and an ah. And you'll continue (laughs) on through the game. Once everyone has sleeved three art pieces, the game will immediately end. But the game will continue on until everyone has sleeved three art pieces. So if you rush and sleeve all of yours earlier, uh, this is not a rush-friendly game. Everyone else gets to take as much time as they want to continue to get there. So it is advantageous to theoretically wait until you have a full selection to be able to try and pick the best art piece that you can to score the most amount of points. So you won't ever get to do four cards or four art pieces. You'll just do, everybody will do exactly three, no more. Exactly no three and exactly three cards. So you will use nine cards over the course of the game. And theoretically hmm. you can buy two more and that's it. So it's not a very long game. Mm-hmm. Um, once the game has ended, once everyone has completed their three art cards, you'll group together your ribbons by color because each of the different ribbons will score different amounts of points based on how many of them you scored over all three of your art pieces. So for example, if you picked repetition, which is again, having the two triangles, if you manage to do that four times over the course of your three cards, it's worth 16 points. But if you did it only once, you only get three points for that one ribbon. Theoretically, you're encouraged to try and do one thing repetitively as much as is possible. 
the points are worth more the more times you do it. So if you've already gotten a purple ribbon, generally you'll want your later ones to also give you purple ribbons because it's going to be worth more points if you do it more points per ribbon if you do it three times than if you do it only one time. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, it makes perfect sense. So whoever, at that point in time, you'll score everyone's ribbons and whoever has the most amount of ribbons will win. Okay, nice and simple. So that is the introduction to the game. Now we get to talk about the solo play, right? Well, I haven't given my thoughts about how the gameplay works in in multiplayer. So let me just go through that quickly. Okay. Um, I think it's probably clear from my what I've been saying so far is that I enjoy the gameplay style here. It is light and fast and continues to move. Generally just to pick up an art card does not take very long. There are definite hitches though, when someone wants to stop and develop what sort of art piece they want to do. Now, theoretically you could be developing your art pieces, especially if you've hit five cards, as soon as you've taken that fifth one, you can then take time while everyone else takes their card or develops their art pieces and everyone else can then take their turns while you're figuring out what exact art piece you want to do. It's not uncommon though, that once you make an art piece, you will stop everyone. You'll say, here's my art piece. I get this ribbon and this ribbon. Wait a second. I, I don't get all the ribbons. I thought I did. Let me, let me redo that for a second real quick. And then it's still your turn. You still can, unless somebody you know, wants to be a jerk and say, Hey, you did it. Move on with life. Um, so there, although the game continues to flow rapidly when you're just all taking art cards, there can be real hitches when someone needs a much longer term to be able to put together an art piece, but I'm torn because generally those are timed that everyone does it all together because everyone will be at four or five cards and everyone all together be like, okay, you think about yours. I'm going to think about mine as soon as you finish saying what you're doing. I'm going to say what I'm doing. I'm ready before you. <laughs> so my turn will be shorter. So that sort of cuts down on the critique. With that exception, I do think that it's a lot of fun to be able to play through the game. It seems like a lot of fun. It really does. So you introduced uh, the game now by telling us how it works with multiple people. How does it work solo? So the game actually has two solo variants. <laughs> Okay. Uh, They weren't sure which one to put in, so they put in two. So you can either paint with Vincent, and then you have, uh, it's not an automa, you have a a random toss to be able to determine um, what the computer opponent, what Vincent would do on his turn. Now, Vincent's not going to be taking any art card, any art pieces. He's not going to actually make anything. So with either of the two solo variants, you're still going to be just chasing your own score and trying to beat your own high score. But when you're painted with Vincent, every time after you take a turn, Vincent takes a turn, you'll shake up four of, or all of his inspiration tokens. So starting with four to begin with, um, you'll shake up his inspiration tokens and whichever ones land with the color side up, because as with the regular painter swatch, there's color only on one side. So whichever one's land color side up, he will spend those to take those to, to go up the line. 
And if he takes one with more inspiration tokens, he gets those. If he has to spend inspiration tokens, you have the ability to steal those. But it's completely random by just shaking up these tokens to see which ones Vincent gets. The other version of the solo variant is has absolutely nothing to do with anyone else. You simply just get to play yourself. You get six inspiration tokens. Um or excuse me, you get four inspiration tokens. And whenever, if you're taking the leftmost art card, you get an inspiration token from the supply. So it, it you're just playing against yourself. There's no randomness in the game. Um, both of these are perfectly adequate ways of playing the game. I mm-hmm. think that... My personal preference is not to play with Vincent because it's an extra step I have to do for not really a whole lot of benefit. It 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 is more true to the multiplayer game. I feel like I'm violating my rules here. It is more true to the multiplayer game to play with Vincent <laughs> because it is very true when you're playing multiplayer games with any river type game, you could have your eyes on a card and someone else could come in and swoop it from you. When you're playing with Vincent, that sort of thing can't yep. happen. When you're playing a solo puzzle, that sort of thing never happens. If you want one, the only person who messed it up for you is you by not paying not paying the inspiration tokens to or by paying inspiration tokens in the wrong or by not getting them correctly or not correctly managing your inspiration tokens, right? And it's entirely yep. your fault for not doing that. So the solo game it it doesn't have it has very little randomness, right? No, you because can either have a bunch only of randomness, randomness you can have no card. randomness. Right. Well, no, but you still have the randomness in what card comes up next. That's true. But you can have that. That is That's the same it. amount of randomness compared to a regular game. Yeah, yeah. But so the, you can either have other it be than that, true. You can either have it be more true to the multiplayer where someone else can steal stuff from you, or you can not bother with it. My personal opinion mm-hmm. is I don't bother with it because I'm already thinking about it. And as I've mentioned probably a time or two before, I enjoy games that let me feel smart. If I see a combo that I really want to do, I prefer just to be able to execute on that and feel smart and enjoy the game. I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of a random computer just stealing my stuff. That yep. is definitely something I wouldn't have thought of, though, before I played the game. Before I played the game, my usual rule would be I want the game. I want the solo game to be similar, have the same sort of feeling to a multiplayer game. And in a multiplayer game, your stuff gets stolen. It's really annoying when you have to do it yourself. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I retract you my could... original opinion. <laughs> it's funny. I suppose you could do something where Vincent, instead of being totally random, like you know what moves he's going to make, and you, you see like his next two turns up ahead. So you could plan around it, but that would just add a lot more complexity to something that that's a nice simple yeah, game already. Just, just play the one without Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> just don't do yep. Vincent. It's not that difficult. Just don't do it. If if you don't like the randomness, mm-hmm. just don't do it. The only reason to do it, like you can't see a regular person's move two moves ahead. You're not able really to think about what they do. I've tr- I've I've tried looking at other people's cards and being like, oh, you're gonna want that one. No, I don't. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> You play your yep. game, I'll play mine. You can't really predict someone else's things in this game. It's so hard to predict right. your own. And if you have two or three or three or four players, it's even harder because cards will turn mm-hmm. over just really quickly. 
Yeah. And you said there's five cards in the line? There are five cards in the in, in yeah. the tableau in the river, yeah. Yeah, so if you get a four player game, three of those cards are gone every the next round anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So So I think probably the biggest part of this game for me was was a personal revelation of my preferences. <laughs> Everyone has come on this journey together with me as we have learned more <laughs> about ourselves. Because I would have said before I played the two variants that yeah, for sure, so do it through the variant of paint with Vincent. It's like playing with an actual player. Stuff gets stolen. And then I did it and I rolled a few times. I called rolling. I rolled a few times um, and it stole my stuff. And I was like, you bum, <laughs> you stupid <laughs> dice. I'm going away mm-hmm. from you. And then I tried it with just solo puzzle. And it was, it was much more pleasant. I enjoyed it much more. That's in, that is interesting. You know, a couple weeks ago we talked about nations, of dice game again, and that has the, the Vincent style mechanic. It would be interesting to play that without Vincent. And see how that goes. I'm kind of curious. And just you could buy whatever you want, and it'd be it become more puzzle. You know that might slow the game down because now it becomes a bigger puzzle to buy the. Maybe, maybe not. I think you'd probably have to do some sort of limiter on it. I have no idea. Huh? You, you bring could, up good questions. Yeah. You could play with. You could limit yourself so I only could buy up to half the tiles, and assume Vincent's buying the other half, or something, like that. and just do that. That'd be interesting. Hmm, I might try that. Yeah. Now, now you've made me think things. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the ability to make everyone else think about things. Come on this mm-hmm. journey of personal revelation through art. Truly, mm-hmm. art has helped us plumb the depths of our soul once again. Ah, <laughs> uh, that, That's so rewarding. So it sounds like you like this game, Julius. I do, yes. I How long does it take to play? Uh, solo, like 20 minutes. Solo is really quick. Multi- multiplayer goes up to five, so it's going to depend on how many people there are and how slow they think and whether they're my wife. No, wait, is she still in the room? <laughs> so, Albert, I think that just about does it for us. Did you have any other questions? No, no. I The game sounds really fun. It sounds like a great, nice game to pull out in a, when you don't want something too long or complicated but with, with a nice amount of thinking in it. My it only has... concern is the price seemed a little high. What's the I think price? It was like about Thirty-five or forty dollars, I think, if I remember right. I think that price is because of the transparent cards. Those are an expensive mm-hmm. component to create. It's not a standard cardstock. Um, I think that for the for the production value of this game, I think that's probably a good price. I think that's a fine price. I I would pay it. I I mean, I did. <laughs> <laughs> True. But I give a solid recommendation. Did you? You said you had the deluxe edition. Is that a Kickstarter thing? Then it is. Yes. Although I believe that it's also available from their store. Ah, okay. And no, I don't really think you need it. It just makes components wood instead of cardboard. It's not that important. Yeah, and these are the components that you're using, like dice. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Wooden dice is better, or better than cardboard dice, any day. More like I'm using them like coins, but I'm just calling it rolling because we have issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alrighty, Albert. Yeah. That's enough rambling cool. from you. I'm logging off. All I'm right. going to go paint my masterpiece. Good night, everybody. All right. Brush off.
Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.